Welcome, everyone, to the Truth and Learning Podcast. I'm Will Tallheimer, and I'm here with my partner, Matt Richter. This episode is titled Women in Learning, a name which we are borrowing from the Women in Learning Initiative, co-founded by two of our guests, Kate Graham from the UK and Sharon Claffey Kaliubi of the United States, right here in the Boston area. Uh, we are also joined by Lori Niles Hoffman of Canada, who is a contributing member uh, of the Women in Learning group, and really the Women, women in Learning hashtag, as they will explain. Uh, so last year at the Learning Technologies Conference in London, I was in the audience at a session that the Women in Learning Initiative led, and I was mesmerized and felt really empowered by what you guys were doing. Um, anybody who's paying attention knows uh, that too often women are paid less than men, that they don't get promotions as much as men, that they face more obstacles and different obstacles than those that men face. Uh, and then there's the Me Too sexual harassment issues women face more often than men. Now, as a man, I assume that these things are in every industry to some extent, but I don't want to put words in your mouth today. So uh, Matt and I would like to hear what the issues are, uh, what the solutions are, and what the Women in Learning Initiative is working to accomplish. And then at the end of the episode, if you're willing, uh, we'd love to get your thoughts on the now famous, uh, now famous Ernst & Young training provided to uh, women, um, uh, executive women there at Ernst & Young. And uh, they were told that women's brains absorb information like pancakes. And, and, and well, men absorb uh, information more like waffles, <laughs> and that sexuality scrambles the mind, and that if you're talking to a man, you should cross your legs and sit at an angle to him so you won't feel so threatened. <laughs> now, are you guys all um, sitting at an angle to Matt and I today? Here? <laughs> it's funny. My legs are crossed. Isn't that scary? <laughs> <laughs> I just ain't crossed them now. That's just scary. <laughs> so... Um, let, why don't we have you guys introduce yourselves before we get started, and uh, why don't you tell us, briefly describe why you were investing your time and energy in the Women in Learning Initiative. Sharon, since you're a local to me, why don't you get us started? All right. Um, Sharon Claffey Kelly, VP of North America for Learning Pool, um, just in the role uh, maybe a month and a half or so. Very excited. I bring that up only to state that um, one of the KPIs that I was hired to achieve was to ensure that I continue to support women in learning. So uh, that was a first in my career and also a big decision maker as to why I would come work for an organization um, and, you know, with as much fervor and energy, which I'm definitely coming in. The initiative itself started, I would say, from my awareness back around 2011, if not even earlier with Elliot Macy here out of the United States. Um, there may have been other discussions elsewhere, but that was when I first became aware of it and personally became aware of leading the dialogue in 2013. Um, the topic there was scratching our way to the top. So you can see where it was at as far as it being a topic. Um, I have notes from where it's evolved too. And um, most recently, I'd say less than a couple of weeks ago, learning technologies in London was going beyond the panel. You know breaking the needle. We'll talk about stats and all that later. But the initiative is quite important to me as a, a woman in business and in seeing that the stats are, and I'm sure we'll echo this quite often, it's two to three women coming into the learning industry to every one man. But when it comes to who is in the C-suite level, the SVPs, the CLOs, it completely flips. 
So in this industry, the differences are quite magnified based on the volume of women coming into the industry. Great. And Kate? Um, so my um, first uh, kind of entree in, into all of this was the learning technology session that you came to last year, Will. Um, and I'm a little ashamed, really, because the stats on which we've, we've, we talk about a lot um, that Sharon just referenced uh, came out in 2018. And a bit like Sharon alluded to, I, I didn't really absorb them properly at the time. I, I think I just, I see so many women around and I know so many amazing women in pretty senior roles. And I think it's that thing that you look out of the window and it's not raining where you are. So, you know, it can't be raining anywhere else, right? And I, I just didn't really absorb them. So until I really started unpacking this and I was asked to, to chair that session, um, yeah, I hadn't really kind of absorbed the magnitude of it, really, much to my, you know, sort of shame, really, now. Um, and then, yeah, came to Learning Technologies, chaired that session, which, as you say, Will, you know, was really energizing. We had three stories from three incredible women, you were one of three men who, you know, came along and I was delighted that three men came. It was like, yay, we, you know, because the point of all of this is, is, is the inclusion. And we had a great session, but what sort of uh, triggered it for me was the engagement that I was getting on, particularly LinkedIn around the topic. So every time I shared something around it that, you know, I mean, there's, there's lies, damn lies and statistics, but this, the engagement stats were off the chart for me. So I was like, there is something in this. Um, and then what happened over the course of last year is people like Laurie, her business partner, Amanda Nolan, um, over here in the UK, um, Ashley Sinclair and Jane Daly have really kind of got involved separately almost. What's fantastic is that it isn't about any one person or you know, being fixed to any one thing and, and the kind of this notion of a movement is just very powerful because it can go in lots of different directions and nobody's really trying to own it too much or control it too much. It, it just, it goes where we need it to go. And so, um, I mean, I always say this is a passion project, but I do have a day job. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I head up content for uh, an organization called Fosway Group. So we are an analyst so um, if you think about uh, like a Gartner or a Forrester, uh, we are a boutique analyst focused on uh, HR tech and learning technology. So, um, but operating mostly in Europe. Great. And Laurie, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us sure. why you're here. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Uh, so Laurie Niles Hoffman, um, I'm one half of Niles Nolan and uh, we uh, consult on uh, digital learning transformations. And for me, what what, what attracted me to um, the woman in learning um, was there are a lot of things that I, I've seen in my career and I was finding more and more younger women or women who were, you know, my age were approaching me with the same types of questions and concerns and the things that they were experiencing in the workplace. And I, I realized that there was no collective resource or, or base of knowledge that was being shared. It was all things that were, you know, proverbially the, you know, the, the washroom conversations where someone's in tears or, you know, the coffee talks or any of those sorts of things and felt that there needed to be something done uh, greater to, to, to empower these women because you know, I've certainly seen seen the the the, the pressures and the um, the unbalance in the industry. So uh, that was what attracted me to this. So, 
Great. Thank you guys for that introduction. It really um, gives us the big picture of why you're coming here. But, you know, Matt and I are not women. And, uh, you know, we may not be sensitive. What to... gave it away, Will? <laughs> <laughs> now, Matt, don't, jo don't drop your joke in here, okay? You mean that uh, we have faces for radio? Oh, no. does it every time. Oh, sorry, guys. Uh, but, you know, seriously, we, we may not be sensitive to all the women, uh, to all the issues that women face in the learning industry. So uh, can you detail some of those for us? Um, I, I'd first like to interject, though, Will, is that um, men have played a real substantial role in getting the senior executive ladies to where they are. Yes. Um, most women on the panel, and myself included, were supported, sponsored, and mentored by men. And there's this HBR article that states there's this fear of when a woman gets to the top that they can't bring up the other ladies. They're afraid that that one spot is only going to be given out so that they can only keep themselves or somebody else will replace them. So even in the last session um, in January there or February, we had a great amount of men in the women in learning talk, really great amount. And the numbers are starting to make sense because not only is this the right thing to do, but companies are more profitable. There's investment strategies, the She Index in the US, where it illustrates that companies that have women in these super senior executive roles or on the boards actually make more money than others that don't. So we can all feel good about it. Just, yeah, it's great to have gender diversity and make sure we're all equal, but it also is very profitable. So I would say that, you know, folks like yourself, most of the podcasts that I've been on have been led by men. Um, and I think that's real critically important that we won't break the needle unless we have that ally with us. Um, yeah. That's great. You know, I, was, uh, I had the uh, rare joy this morning of having uh, breakfast with Julie Dirksen and mentioned that I was going to be talking with you guys. She said to say hi. And uh, hi. she was telling me about Good how uh, Dave Kelly of the eLearning Guild has been very supportive. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but still, you know, uh, men who are listening to this podcasts may not be completely sensitive to the issues um, the way uh, you guys are or the way the men who have gone to your sessions <laughs> have become. Mm -hmm. So what, what kind of things um, should we know about? I, I think for me, one of the big ones that I see, and I don't know why it happens, but you see women um, or funneled into, how do, I, how do I put this? So you'll see the women are more the instructional designers or the facilitators, not necessarily being raised to be more strategic when they are in fact very strategic themselves. And and, and, and I mean, I even think back to, you know, um, advice I got in my career, I was told, you know, be a facilitator, go into HR, which I find hilarious because anyone who knows me, I'm a walking HR nightmare. Um, <laughs> I would not be good at that. I, I don't have an EQ, it's just not there. Um, so... <laughs> Thinking, but thinking about that, but that, I would see that pattern happen repeatedly. And I've worked in banks, I've worked at the big four, I've worked in that. And it just all of a sudden seemed to be this split, particularly when women were about 35, but that was where they got funneled. And I, it's only the rare one who seemed to be sort of able to peek a, a, above the parapet. And then they were nurtured to go into those strategic roles. But, and I, to me, that was a really big one. Um, women not being um, in the, the technology space in particular for, for ed tech. And you would see, you know, all male coders, you know, and, and that tanks. And it's, you know, you're, you're not seeing women in those places when they are, they're very capable and they, and they should be there. 
Um, and I also see too, one of the, the barriers is particularly in the ed tech space. So a lot of these companies, and it's not just ed tech, are so heavily investing in the product that they don't have an HR or any of that type of strategy. And so women are really left adrift and it's, it's tough for them unless they have a mentor, somebody who, who notices their spark, they're, they're on their own. Um, so, so I think those are some of the things. I mean, we can, I could riff on about, you know, have I been asked to get the coffee, blah, blah, blah. Yes, I have. And, you know, have I had my ass grabbed? Yes, it happens. It's all there. But I don't think those are the, the their issues and they shouldn't happen. But I think it's more to what are the more systemic things. And, and I think for me as well, I mean, the, the original stats um, that Don Taylor took from the Learning and Skills Group around the kind of imbalance of women um, getting into mm -hmm. senior positions is very much focused on what we would call the practitioner role. So in-house, in your big corporates. But actually, the industry is made up of... Uh, you know, consultants um, running successful businesses like Laurie and Amanda. I, actually, mm -hmm. I know at uh, my age, I know a lot of women who've jumped off the kind of the corporate ladder to, to consult and freelance and, and work more flexibly around their families. And then as Laurie rightly says, you've got the third component of that is the vendor side of the market. Now, some of these organizations are huge. You know, Cornerstone acquired Saba last week for 1.4 billion. You know, some mm -hmm. of them are very big and have kind of proper HR processes and all the rest of it. But one of the things that like, at Fosway we spend a lot of our time looking at is, you know, the kind of the disruptors and the innovators and the, and the startups. And it's so typical that they would have, you know, a finance slash HR person. Right? And really, when they say HR, they're just looking at contracts. You know, that's that's all, that's what they're doing because, you know, there's maybe like nine people in the in, in the whole organization. Right. But actually, you know, in the UK, I mean, the US market is not dissimilar. Um, the rest of Europe is not dissimilar. There are hundreds of these small boutique companies and, uh, you know, most of them are not founded by women. So no. why is that? you know, that there aren't enough. So how can we encourage that? But as Laurie says, how can we provide, you know, some network and, and su support um, for people who are in some of these kind of smaller organizations as well? And it's not just the women within those organizations. How can we potentially reach out to the leaders of those organizations and, and help them do the right thing by their people? Right. I, I would and also I, add in oh, very, very quickly. Uh, one of the things, too, is that in our industry, innovation is highly valued, as it should be. But there are known players in our industry right now who have really shitty diversity and inclusion or sexist attitudes. And yet, companies still do business with them and they promote them. It, it is interesting. Um, there was a question asked of me that JP Morgan has made a big effort to do XYZ with women and gender diversity. I know a number of other banks that are doing it. It's really putting the, um, you know not trying to take advantage of the marketing that you might get on that and actually seeing who is actually walking the talk. So that's what I would say there. Even with our stats, these stats aren't just 2018. We started at 2015. We had in senior roles that I just want to show because it, it doesn't get better. There were 34% women in senior roles and 66% men in 2015. In 2018, it went to 30% females and 70% men. So although we're talking about it, this is really the movement has shifted into getting off the, getting off the panel, getting off our seats, kind of getting into the mix, um, you know, working with other women out there that are doing it, making that top of mind. Um, 
typically, and this is stereotypically, networking wise, you would say, oh, I'm going to go golfing or I'm going to go have drinks and I'll just ask Joe Schmo to do XYZ consulting. We as women stereotypically do not do this as well as our, our opposite sex. So we need to say, geez, I need to hire in somebody. Am I thinking first? And I've actively done this. Am I thinking first to connect with my female network to try to increase the numbers or do I just go out whatever's easier? So we as a, as a gender need to think a little bit differently if we're not already doing that and putting it there. And then last statement is many times you will hear women go out and become consultants because honestly, they glass floor. They can't get to those senior layers. And sometimes you have to know when you need to exit. And what I'm loving about this initiative is even those that are exiting or we're all moving around, we're supporting each other now. And I think that's a first. I don't think that existed previous to 2015 or 18. So all three, uh, let, Will, do you mind if I uh, yeah, follow up on that? Sure. So all three of you have very clearly defined the problem. Um, uh, but one of the things I, I'd love you to follow up with is what is the value proposition? So we know that uh, through a lot of research that a more diverse workforce uh, enhances innovation and productivity and so forth. But can you explain why that's so and, and what that value proposition is for creating a more equitable workforce and more equal workforce? Well, in one word for our particular one, we're not designing learning for just men. So you, so you need to have diversity of thought to design solutions for your diverse audience. It's like, you, why would you have trousers if you didn't have legs? Like, that's really what it's like. I mean, you, you have to have that in there. Um, and, I, and I think that that's, that's, that's a huge part of it. So if you want the most successful solutions, and Sharon brought up those statistics, and, and, and that's, that's critical. I would also say too, and I'm a perfect example of it. Did I move on and go independently because of the glass ceiling? 1000%. It was one of the major motivating factors. So you will have a brain drain and you will have people who um, are going to leave your company because they're not seeing themselves represented in leadership and they're not seeing um, their, their voices be, be heard. So you're going to lose them and, and, they, and they will go on. They will move. Yeah, that, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I mean, I'm, you know, our organ, my, my organization, FOSFO, is very small. Um, I'm um, the first person to go on maternity leave in that organization in 23 years, um, just because it's never happened before. Um, and it's, uh, I've actually gone the other way. So I used to work for myself and then actually went to work for a company um, and had my, my daughter. Um, and it's a great example of being able to work flexibly and having that dynamic of well I want this person and I want the skills that she's got and actually I need to be able to accommodate that somehow and if, if only more organizations were like that and I don't just say that because I work there I say that because I genuinely um, believe that and if particularly you know we're not necessarily going to be able to influence like Barclays Bank or you know, oh, you never know. Young you never know. You never know. we <laughs> might get there but you know if <laughs> we can well. but if we can influence like like I say like the vendor side of of the industry where we where, you know where we're starting to have see more engagement and and hopefully have more influence uh, you know to, to get them to stop and think especially because smaller organizations they don't need to be set in stone right they they can pivot and they can evolve and they can set their own 
agendas and if we can encourage more of them to be you know you won't get they won't have this brain drain like laurie says but i mean i go back to um did you see the story about um the ai that learned to be sexist yeah um <laughs> so you know we need like laurie said you know we need women programming this stuff and working on this stuff and it's so yeah. important you know personalization in learning huge topic right you know we know we know it's only going one direction of travel like none of this stuff's going to get less personalized and less ai driven well, it's, it's kind of like the ambient problem right more. it's like the ambient problem all this research was done on the effects and, and dosages for ambient the sleeping pill right except that they never tested it on women Right. Oh. So oh, you had you had all yeah. these women who yeah. who weigh 20, 30, 40, 50 pounds less than the men that were in the tests. And so instead of the dosage lasting for six to eight hours, women were going to work and falling asleep en route because yeah. it was still in their Scary. body after 10 hours. And uh, it never yeah. occurred to anyone to test on women. Not, so, not not factored in. Yeah, it's yeah. Say, it's exact, and it's exactly that. It's exactly that principle. So I think you know, on the face of it, it can be like quite transparent and obvious. So yeah, we'll get more women in senior roles, but actually, it runs deep. Right. And I so, have to add, there's there is a Northern Ireland chartered mark that says that your company has put effort into being gender diverse, among many other things. Important that as a workforce, we start looking to be employed by companies. Um, I br keep bringing up learning pool because I did move because of the reasons of what they do. But we have to actively look as women in business here and women in learning to support the companies that are doing the right thing and shouting really loud about it so that other women know where to go. And it will completely drain, as it's been stated by my two colleagues here, the other companies that aren't doing the right thing. And it will impact the bigger. I mean, the bigger companies are making all the hoopla and getting the marketing press that they're doing the right thing. But I'd really like to pull under the covers. And then one last note I'd like to make is that even in this podcast, we still miss a real important group of folks, which are women of color that yes. are impacted. And that was really highlighted to me a couple of years ago at an event in Boston. And I just, I was shocked when I heard the stats there. So that's something that we are going to push as an initiative to ensure that we get that diversity of, of all of us, even on the women's side, um, and make sure we keep pushing this forward. And, and age and all, 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 of those, all about being inclusive, yeah. intersectionality. So let me ask you one other thing. You know, we're trying to paint the picture of the issues that are out there in the in the workplace now. One other question I have for you on that: um, How much does sort of the Me Too movement or the sexual harassment? How much does that factor into your thinking and your work? <laughs> I, well, I, I I think it's I think it's the time has been right. So I think you know we all of this took off in a post Me Too world. Nah, and before it did. It you know, shut and up we, before 2011. And we, yeah, but it's really caught fire post Me Too. And I, I think that, uh, you know, we were talking before we started recording about how the world has changed. And I do think there is something about the timing of it. Um, and just this being, I don't know, maybe people being more aware of this stuff in, in general. And less willing to for it to be okay you know yeah 
I agree. There were a couple of movies that we referenced. There was the Bombshell movie. There was uh, Battle of the Sexes. And when the generation, there's a group of 30 under 30s, it's, they're coming up. And when they see this stuff, they don't believe it. And even when my daughter saw it, they questioned it. And it was something that I thought everybody had gone through you know, being sent home because you wore uh, slacks to work or, you know, what Lori had said and other things that legally I can't even say, you know, uh, they, they pretty much keep you quiet from saying it and we're not going to all get in trouble over a podcast. But we are seeing that the generation coming up is like, hell no. And I don't remember ever seeing that before. And I love it. Like some of the things that I see standing up and they're horrified to see that only by maybe a decade or two, what women went through to go to work. So I am excited. Uh, Kate, I know you and I saw quite a few folks in London of the 30 under 30s. And, you know, I get approached online and in person. And it's, it's really powerful when you see that there is no way in hell they're going to take it. And I, I just never saw that before. And, and I think for, for Laurie, sorry, so I was just going to say, Laurie, we've kind of termed it safeguarding, haven't we? But it's something that you've been really focused on, I'd say. Yeah, because because I think that there's, I'm, I'm so pleased to see the passion. I'm so pleased to see that so many women and men are saying we're not going to have this type of workplace. However, it still is, it's, it's one thing to hold those ethics. And then there's also the reality. Right. Um, p getting women to sign non-disparagement clauses just to get paid when, when something goes in awry. I, that is an incredibly common scenario. And what that means is you're prohibited from saying anything defamatory about the company and what you went through and you've lost your job. And that goes on and on and it becomes a monetary thing. And I, I've had women reach out to me about those to this day. So it's one thing to have your values. It's another thing to have to pay the mortgage. Um, and um, I've had to sign them twice and I've been very, I can't say where they were and um, I've had no <laughs> choice. And that's something that we really, it's things like that that we need to address because then we can't even warn other women off, you know, right. and, and, and those companies, I also, just to say, those are the ones too, that International Women's Day next week, you will advertisements, look at all the women we have, that's look at our right. coast, and they're, and they're using the women as clickbait when really the yep. reality is that's not the truth in their company, but it becomes good advertising for them and good media. And so, you know, so once again, we're losing money. The women aren't making the money off of nope, what's not being making used. Money. Uh, yeah. But I fully, fully confirm Lori's um, words there. there. And where, wow. where, the, where the power of the network starts to come in, and I've started it literally in the two weeks since learning technologies, I've had people contact me. And yeah, there's some stuff happening. And, and I, can, I, I have this sense around, <sighs> there's, there's almost been... I don't know, like Laurie said, there's almost be some, been some silence and some acceptance about some of this stuff. But actually, if, they, if some of these organizations know there's a network of over a thousand people that are talking about things, it might not have to be, because we talked originally about, is there some way that we could have an assessment of these organizations and give them a badge if they're really, you know, leading the way. And then we talked about how some people would skew the message around things like international women's day and how do you police that and we're all volunteers we've all got day jobs you know it just becomes unmanageable but actually in an unofficial capacity when people are talking and it's like glass door almost almost like a real life version of glass door and and if if there's somebody has one of these hideous experiences and they go and tell their friends and these women in this network and men in this network, 
then suddenly there's a shame factor. And if organizations end up doing the right thing because they're too scared to do the wrong thing, it's not the right motivation, but it might be the right result. And it's interesting you mentioned Glassdoor because I know of a few companies right now who've gone through, and I don't know what happened, but a number of, and I'm assuming women, and, and well, I no, I think some were men, where they've written negative reviews about companies that they've been part of in our industry on Glassdoor. And it's interesting because in both cases um, that I saw, the companies came back with their own planted reviews about how great it is for women. <laughs> oh, no. And, and yeah. so, you know, and, that, and that's, that's just a scene, but it becomes a huge PR issue. And, and that to me is, is, I really think that, you know, sometimes we, we have to look critically at, at what, what is the goal of, of, of companies? Are they really recognizing that you are going to get a better ROI? You're going to have a better product, et cetera, et cetera. And you're going to make or more they, money. Or, yeah, and they're going to make I, more money. Or are they doing this because it makes them look good in the industry? I mean, I personally have accepted no International Women's Day posts um, and or interviews because, quite frankly, if you haven't talked to me the other 364 days of the year, I'm not interested <laughs> on Women's Day. Right. But I, I would like to add this initiative that we have here, we just don't have the bandwidth or we're not legally set up to really cover any of the heavy duty hashtag me too. So sure. when, that was one thing we said, we don't want to get it confused. We just don't, I personally don't have that legal um, background. I don't know who would, but it would be a group that would say, here's, would love to get a list of names of folks that would be available to speak, but that wouldn't be what the initiative's about. Sure. So one of the things that we, we've talked about a bunch of the, the larger problems and the, the more insidious problems, but what about the day-to-day -day issues? For example, I came up in the 90s and in sales, and probably 95% of the sales we made were on the golf course, and there were no women invited, and there were no women on the sales team, probably because we were always uh, playing from the men's tees on the golf course. Um, and then that changed. That became a no-no a, a for us to do. And but it never occurred to us. Well, the we no no wasn't aware. to play golf, the no no <laughs> was not to invite the women. So, that's right, it's well, but we like had reasons for not inviting the women. There were very good reasons, like <laughs> women play from the women's tees, and there were all sorts of stupid, stupid right, rationale right. for it, right? It's, it's a great point. Can I just add though, 94% of C suite women have all played a sport, so that's a way to break. Oh, glass floor uh, in a way. So I have gonna... never played golf with a woman who hasn't beaten me. So. <laughs> <laughs> but so you're so I mean I so you talk about day to day problems and I think this is where I'm starting to see a shift from the I think last year for for me it felt like we spent some time establishing that this was a problem right and 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 this is why it's been great to have some of the stats because loads of people have turned around and said but now I know loads of great women in L&D um, and it's like yeah but look at the stats so and that's it's it's really helped to kind of establish a base and come up to me after the the session at learning technologies and say uh, he felt ashamed that he didn't realize that this was a problem and I said and he came to the session and, and really had his eyes opened and I said well you're far from alone in 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 that situation but you know, just last week, I had somebody ring me um, who I'd connected with um, around uh, the Women in Learning session, and uh, she rang me in tears, and she was having problems with um, um, her boss, and how, you know, could she get some advice? And, you know, it's a very, 
you know, all sort of in some ways undramatic. For her, it feels very big, though, uh, problem. And, you know, do I have any experience in how to help her or any advice? And, you know, I reached out to Laurie and I've put her in touch with somebody else to speak to. And that's a, you know, it's a very practical problem. Now, there's not... <laughs> not like a process it's not a product that we sell obviously we're not trying to sell anything or or, or whatever like that but actually as somebody else said to me one of my friends when I told them this story said she probably felt better for just being able to talk to you about it and if that's what the power of the network can provide for a like as you say almost like a day-to-day -day problem a micro share and and that helps somebody in their professional lives then then I'm I'm delighted you know I just I think that that is where and that's that's more you know beneficial in some ways than anything we could do that could co ever cost money or or what have you so I I do think that there's room for that it's not very scalable obviously but we're not that's why we're calling it a movement and not a we're not trying to be an organization yeah. or anything like that because actually the bigger the network Ashley Sinclair is based out of the UK she keeps saying we build out and then we build up so trying to build out that network as, as wide as we can so there are more women around to help um it, you know that's kind of where we want to be but i do want i do want to add i know it feels fresh for you kate if you look at our ages and the stages of our life this is not new we had over 200 people in 2013 in that session and i believe in 2011 it was a main stage conversation what the sad part is, I, I think we had a lot of women drop out of the industry. They just gave up. And I think the fact that there's a thing like LinkedIn, and I hate to say like, but in 2011, 2012 and 13, that was fairly new. And people were getting fired if they put the wrong thing on LinkedIn. And, you know, it was all these other complications. So I think that technology, the timing and having someone like you out there that has that knowledge bond in have Lori and all these other amazing women that are coming through with the men leading it. Don Tilla did the research. Elliot Macy did the first kickoffs. Will, you guys are doing the podcast here with this combination. I do see it actually going in a different direction. And sometimes like when you deliver a course, sometimes the incidences go up before they go down. I'm hoping that's what we experienced with our stats, but this is something that's been rampant. Well, and, I think we lost a lot. And Sharon, this has also been around in academia for thirty plus years. <laughs> Can't even imagine. Right? I mean, so so there's a, a the whole idea of building inclusive classrooms. Mm -hmm. So the focus on building inclusive classrooms among students has also led to discussions around how to build inclusive schools among the faculty, yeah. and to look at the administrations and and so forth. And there was a lot of carryover. Uh, researchers like Julie Allen uh, in uh, in England and Linda Ware out of New York and now New Mexico, these Mika Ball in the Netherlands, these are, are thought leaders in how to look at gender equality applied in different contexts and so forth. Yeah, I also think you brought up education. And one thing that is stereotypically, people say girls do so much better in school than the boys are, it's easier, stereotypically. Except in math and science. Right, and then they're <laughs> going to generalize that. Um, I used to love to say that and be on the basketball court and say, don't worry, my daughter who's getting straight A's will probably work for your son who's barely scratching through someday. But we would joke. But here's the, the, the scary part is, all through our academic, and this really has changed, is when somebody takes something from somebody else, it's called cheating. 
and you never want to cheat. And most times, stereotypically, the girls fit the rules really better. Well, once you leave school, what is cheating called? Overcoming, adapting, and improvising. No, it's called collaboration. Uh. So you're punished. You're, you're, like, you're now expected to go do what you've been told you, you shouldn't be doing it at school. You, know, you need to collaborate now. You need to give your information and, and work with others. And So it's, it's just something I like to remind folks that we have to change our mindset really starting. And you brought it up with the academic area. So um, that's, that's cool. Yeah. You know, you guys have mentioned several um, nice initiatives that the trade organizations are doing. Uh, Elliot Maisie, Don Taylor, uh, Dave Kelly. Uh, is there anything else that the trade organizations can be doing uh, to push this initiative? They could be, I mean, the, the gentleman that, you, you know, you mentioned and it's, you know, men still in those positions right I'm not saying that we should kick any of the existing ones out but um, <laughs> some women thought leaders out there. <laughs> but, but the but the kind of the uh events we sort of see as quite a physical manifest tangible manifestation of part of the problem so um uh i mean i work very closely with the guys at learning technologies here in in the uk um and uh you know trying to uh, create a speaker lineup that is diverse um, in terms of gender, in terms of race and age and all of those things has become a much, much bigger priority over the last few years. Julie rightly um, mentions that David Kelly um, does a lot for finding women keynotes and things like that. And you have to put the extra spade work in sometimes to find that. And what we're we've kind of been informally doing is, uh, you know, Laurie, mention, you mentioned before the call, you, you've um, recommended uh, a female speaker into an international conference and um, someone like um, the UK is, rather than taking speaking opportunities himself, is trying to, um, you know, sort of recommend female colleagues or female peers that might fit the role better. So, you know, there's always more that can be done, but I, I, I have seen a shift there, but I think, Laurie, your comment the other day was, if I hear another event organizer say that they can't find a woman to speak on X, oh, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to... You know, I didn't want to put words swearing. in your mouth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no, fine swearing. And I think that's, 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 that is really important. Or I hear that commonly, um, you know, with all-male sales teams. I can't find a woman. Right, where, I've heard where it. They, where do you think I've they're finding? Because I can name off 20 women. Um, who, exactly. who I would recommend for these for these positions. Um, I think one of the other things too to also look at is, particularly with these smaller companies, you have to follow the money, and the money goes back to venture capitalists. And those you'll find, and I've sat in front of them. I'm sure you you have as well. They're usually all male, so they're looking for all male solutions, right? And or they want you to be the token female, so they look diverse. But that's a whole other thing. Um, and that's where the investment doesn't come in. And a lot of these these women who have the great ideas, they're 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 maybe not as appreciative. Um, and and that's and that becomes a difficult barrier. And, and I mean, it's it's one of the reasons why you know a lot of you look at a lot of female led companies, they're bootstrapped. They weren't invested in. So, right. Laurie, right. I, think, or, I yeah. think this is a great point, Laurie, and, mm -hmm. but I also think it highlights one of the more uh, foundational problems, which is where's the money? We can make a business case around innovation and productivity and things mm -hmm. like that, but those business cases are kind of nebulous. Right. I mean, they're a bit vague. Mm -hmm. if, if, if people really believed they were going to get rich after, uh, after creating a more inclusive workforce, it would have already happened. 
Uh, so, do you think? I mean, because so. we all know it's 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 definitely more profitable. I'd say like well, instead of this topic being like a lunchtime session or something that's online, like make it a keynote. Then we're not marketing it properly because I really do believe if you, the 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 people we're working with, at least in California, if they thought they were going to make a lot more money. They don't it's, care. But, but I, I think that but I think that word is really true, right? So my background is all marketing. Um and you know, and Sharon said to, you said to me, like, oh, you know, you made this catch fire and, and yes, I didn't do anything different did. with with that session, the women the original women in learning session that I did last year. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't do anything different to that session that I wouldn't have done with a different session that I was chairing. But actually what it was like I said, it was the timing. So when Will asked about the the, the kind of the timing and everything, that's it, it just felt like the time was right. But actually what we've done around this is start to put some a bit of structure around our communication and our yeah. marketing in inverted commas mm-hmm. of it. And it's it is it is making a, a difference to the conversation and the engagement. I did not expect so many people to show up. But this is, she's not a woman right now. It's your abilities that did this along with, yes, it's been more, but I know she'll never take it, but that's a woman thing. We don't don't take it, but she's an amazing marketeer and it blew up because the right person was at the right time to catalyst it. And, and Kate, I think anytime you would have gotten involved, it would have exploded the way it did. So that's my kudos to her. But, but I think, I think Matt's point there is that there is something around that the communication and um, you know the world economic forum has published stats to say you know we don't just have a moral imperative around right. this like businesses have a commercial imperative and there are some great stats which i'll i'll share the link to the report with that'd you be great well, that'd be know, great but you know it's it, yes uh but you know business uh, interests are not the only way we think about things. And you guys mentioned that sub- several people that were in, several men who were in your session came up to you afterwards and said, oh my gosh, I wasn't thinking about this. I, I didn't believe, you know, it just didn't occur to me. And I think, so even if you are in a position where you're trying to make money for your organization, you might have blind spots around that. And your initiative is a great way to get out there. And I, you know, you guys have a thousand people today, but you're going to have 10,000, uh, you know, in, in, a, in a few years so so, so my, my friend Danny Seals has a, has a podcast he's based in the UK um, and he has a question that he asks all his guests he probably asked you Laurie when you were on there and he said if you had a billboard and a million people could look at this billboard what would you put on the billboard and we had just been spending some time talking about women in learning and my comment was um, you know look around you and if everybody looks like you or is, like, is, is the same as you, then you need to start broadening your horizons. And I think since getting involved in this, I see it. I see it everywhere. I see the inequality. I see the imbalance. I see the whiteness, the straightness, the maleness, whatever. I, and and I, it's the almost you can't unsee it when you start looking. And I think if we can trigger people like that gentleman that I talked about just to start looking and really seeing then you you can't unsee it and i and i like to think that that could start to drive the behavior di- differently but it's like you say yeah. it, until oh. you can be walking along blissfully ignorant 
and and not see it but i, I do think once you start looking yeah. it's very hard to yeah, yeah. I, I agree and we should celebrate our successes celebrate the folks like yourselves and elliot don nigel payne did amazing mentoring celebrate those people that are doing it and make that something that other folks want to aspire to be like you know yeah. oh could i be like nigel and you know mentor 15 women without anyone knowing like it all goes underseen really start elevating and getting folks up like that. Yeah. Sharon, I want to, I want to emphasize that, that, uh, I'm wholly behind the movement. My problem is I spent a lot of time in the Midwest in the U S and not that there's anything wrong with that, but (laughs) (laughs) I sell into North America. I love the Midwest. I love the Southwest, the Midwest everywhere. But I just spent uh, time with 280 executives at a company. There were five women, and one man of color. That's it. And so did you say something to them? I did, but I got fired. <laughs> so I'm not kidding about that either. Now, so, Matt, now Matt, be honest, was that a one-to-one relationship or was that completely? <laughs> oh, there were probably many reasons I got fired. But, <laughs> but, um, uh, but the, the, what, what struck me is I couldn't make a case for diversity without talking about financial value to them. I couldn't make the case without talking about uh, an easiness. For example, making these changes structurally in their organization needed to be somewhat easy for them, or there was no, no innate value for them, even if they had a lot of returns. And then finally, it had to align to their virtues. And many of their virtues have embedded chauvinism and misogyny in them. And I don't know how to combat that. I don't even know how to start to combat that. I don't know if you do. And I, I, I think I that that's, that's some, of the, some of the things I think you're going to start to see that companies who want that old way of working and that old way of being, yeah. they're just going to fall by the wayside. They're going to die. They're going to die off because it's, it's, it's going to become, and I do actually really believe that because there, there, I do see, um, you know, there was a one company here, I won't mention the name um, in, in Canada who had a really, really poor track record and a large company, like a hundred thousand people type company. And they are struggling to get anybody to now work with them. And they, they are still blinded to it, but it's, you know, that that's what's going, that's what's going to happen. And those organizations are going to lose out on talent because you, let's face it, when I walk in for an, well, I don't interview anymore, but when I did walk in for an interview, I'm looking to see, am I going to see people who represent diversity of thought and diversity of background, diversity yeah. of, you know, uh, um, of all of those things. If I don't see that, I'm not in, right? And you're going to start, people are going to be far more aware of that when they make their employment choices as well. So they're holding on, I think, by a death grip, but it's 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 gonna it's gonna go. I hope yeah, so. I, I have to I have to agree that the values that companies come out with that's what get, that where I'm at. It's we've got your back, build to grow and do the right thing. How many companies have the guts to put do the right thing in their values? And people are gonna look for that in their in their job search. I agree with you, Laurie, on that. It's like you go in and you're gonna have it, and the other companies they're. They're not going to make the long haul, I don't believe. I, I mean, the the US might be might be more different, but I mean, the UK certainly, you know, we have there's skills there's a skill shortage. You know, top yeah. talent or what call it what you want. There's not enough good good people, top people out there. Mm-hmm. And you know, some of these. I mean, Will, you're talking about your daughter's seventeen. You know, I know Sharon's daughters uh, are a little bit older. 
you know, they're going to have a list of things that they're looking at. Right. I mean, at Fosway Research shows that opportunities to learn are right up there when people are choosing an organization to, to go and work for. So, you know, actually, you want your learning to be good and balanced and powered appropriately because actually we're seeing that as a big driver but also you know corporate social responsibility sustainability fairness diversity all of those things it isn't just about paycheck anymore and Mm -hmm. so these organizations like this one that Matt was talking about it might it's not going to be a quick loop round for them but then look at how the mighty fall you know look at Lehman Brothers and Look at Kodak and, you know, Blockbuster and all of these things that, yep. you know, these big organizations fall by the wayside. There's no such thing as too big to fail. That's right. Polaroid. Yep. You know, yeah. You know, we're talking a lot about um, what the system does to the individual, right? And, you know, businesses are not always uh, responsive to uh, women issues, gender issues, uh, race, ethnicity, <laughs> sexual orientation, et cetera. Um, but now let's let's sort of flip it on its head. If if you're a woman out there, uh, and we'll start with women, and then we'll ask about men. But if you're a woman out there, and obviously you're in a system, right? And, and the system may not be supportive, and you know we don't want to blame any victims. But if you're a woman out there, what can you do for yourself uh, to you know to advocate to get where you want to be? What what well, you know what what are some of the things you can do? Well, I think, I mean, I think, so, sorry, look, but like the, this network is part, a big part of that. Having a strong network, whether that's like a really public thing, it's always been something that I've built out quite publicly, not deliberately. It's just the, the nature of social media and how things have happened. But I've always had people to turn to, uh, you know, outside of the, my immediate company, and to know that I've always, in, I take my network with me wherever I go, right? Whatever organization I work for, I don't leave them behind. Um, I take that with me and they help me where, wherever I am. So I think to have that and to have that, that backup outside of just your, your manager and your team mm-hmm. is incredibly powerful. And that's something that in this day and age, everyone has got best to be able to do. And don't do it when you need it. Do it because it's the right thing to do. So for years, I would get on Skype or whatever technology and connect with the thought leaders and the folks that I could maybe help and that could maybe help me professionally. And I didn't even realize I was doing it till I looked and realized I really looked forward to Mondays and Friday mornings, getting to the you know Starbucks at 7 a.m. so I could get on with someone maybe in the UK at 12 or something. So I, I strongly encourage the network thing. Start looking around for the right place that for you to be at. If you don't feel you're at the right place now, start looking to see what's out there um, without being disrespectful to your current employer. Do it on your time. Do it through your networks. And then start being a part of the change itself. Start offering to speak at events about your skills. Build yourself up to be someone that's adding value to the industry, not just women in learning, but your top skills. If you're an IT person, if you're a developer or something, get out there and start putting yourself out there so that you can add value and share with others what you have. I would, I would also, all those things completely, completely agree. Um, I also encourage too talking openly about salary with people you can trust, find out what you're being paid in relation to the market, because yeah. salary is something that people don't want to discuss, but yet money is what 
makes the world go around. And when you're paid less, you are more at risk. You're not able to be as mobile. You are more willing to stay in a job for longer because you are handcuffed. Um, so make sure that you are being paid your worth and that you're advocating for that. Um, and the other one that I, I always advise, I advise women and, and as well, um, you know, people who have approached me uh, on this topic when, when they are thinking about jobs, if you're going to be the only, don't take that job. And what I mean by that is because now you have two jobs. Your job now is to suddenly be the you know DNI person, which you don't have time for to distract you from the things you need to be really good at doing. Um, so and, you know to to Matthew's point about you know these these companies who you know aren't 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 changing, they're going to stop getting those. Now you, if you accept that role, you're 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 automatic. Anytime I've done it, it, it's it's never gone well. So so really urge people not to. Nobody not to wants to be a token. No, don't be, don't be the token or the one who's supposed to be the one for well, change. Go to where I, you can advocate for change. Can I just ask, though, mm -hmm. I mean, I get that completely, but doesn't it have to start somewhere? Agree, it has to start somewhere, but no company that's, you know, bigger than four people shouldn't have some form of diversity, <laughs> you know, and, and I think that that's, that's the thing. And um, you also have to question what are the motives for you being brought in? Where can you do change? Do you want to do change with companies who are willing to change? Or do you always have to be the one to fight for change? And let's face it, when you sign on for a company, you are rewarding them with your talent and your abilities. Why reward a company that is not going to respect those back? Take it where it has a place. Uh, I think that kind of knowing your work, I mean, it, you know, this, some, some of these are very stereotypical, you know, women versus man things. And, and I, we've tried really hard with all of this, ladies. I think like, it's fair to say we've really tried to stay away from cliches and, and, and stereotypes and things and, and just made it about, about what's real and, and the conversation. But the kind of that sense of imposter syndrome, that sense of maybe downplaying your worth. Now, I don't care how old you are, you know, if you've got a good experience, whether you're old or, or, or young, you know, don't be afraid to market that. And again, it comes back to that, that marketing word for, for me, I suppose. But, you know, I've just, I've, I, I do quite a lot of CVs for people. I, get, I, I think because I'm, I'm not a recruitment person at all, but I think because I'm a marketing person, it's very easy for me to pick things out and go, well, this is good. And here's a narrative. And, you know, why, why are you underselling this part? Um, and it's something that I've always done for kind of friends and family and, but consistently people undersell themselves. And I'd say well, women are, are worse at that than, than men. I'd say we try and stay away from, from the cliches, but that kind of sense of if you're not going to advocate for yourself, you know, nobody else, you know, maybe you can send your CV to me, but you know, nobody <laughs> else is going to do that for you. You have to be your own best advocate. So to kind of be able to get over that. It is also a, a big thing for anybody at any age. It's not women specific, but I, I think women are quite guilty of, of underselling themselves like that. So what about men? Uh, you know, we, we, we can see, you know, first of all, how do we see these inequalities that are out there? Um, and then what can we do? Well, I think the minute um, folks, men that are very well aware of it, usually have daughters that I could see. And daughters that are coming into the workforce, I yeah. see uh, and energized. I also see that there have been men there. We wouldn't even, the three of us wouldn't even be here today if, if men weren't pulling us along. So making sure that it's a dialogue that is for everyone at the events in the room. Um, I, I joke about this, but in Boston, there was a snowstorm. So it was the most evenly distributed 
like there was a couple hundred maybe um, in the room because they, nobody could fly out of Boston and we were doing women and learning. <laughs> so I took a ton of pictures. I was like, look, equal numbers. But um, making sure that like if this is a topic that's that important, make it a keynote. Everybody in the room is going to be there. It's not going to be just for women to jump at during their, their spare time. And then celebrate and, and really acknowledge men that have the floor for others to come up. That's how I would see it. I'd also say too for men, and those are positive things to do, but I, I'd also add into it, um, and I've seen men do this more and more, which has been truly appreciated, is they're standing up more when they see some of these behaviors. They're not endorsing the bro culture. They're starting to say that's not okay. You know, if you call that woman the C word or the, you know, a, a bitch, stand up and, and say, you know, that's unacceptable. And that's really hard, I know, to do, um, especially when you're, you're, you're in, in some of these cultures. Um, but that that's also too something that can be extremely helpful. Um, you know, to, to help us uh, help us along um, because it prevents that, that behavior from being from being normalized. Um, yeah, Laurie, can we piggyback on that? Sure. Um, so, if I call a woman a bitch, forget the inappropriateness of that. That's a yeah. given. Mm -hmm. But the reason I might call a woman a bitch mm -hmm. is often for the same behaviors I would celebrate a man exhibiting, and oh. so. Yeah. <laughs> can we can we talk a little bit about the the dichotomy of and, and lack of fairness and how we yeah. evaluate behavior? We yeah, talk a I lot mean, about it. There's a lot, there's a lot about uh, that. I have a really cool slide on it. Let me see if I can pull it up. Let's see. Go, Laurie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that this is a really, it's 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 a really interesting one. Um, you know, I, I I remember being at one company when. One woman who was, you know, a very senior, like CLO type, um, had neglect, had decided not to, after an RFP process, choose one particular vendor, as is one's prerogative to do. There was a huge WhatsApp, and she was called every name in the book of, of derogatory nature. And I thought, why? If a man made that decision, it would just be, it wouldn't have been taken to such a, a deep sexual level um and 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 it's 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 interesting too that some of the behaviors you know i think back to times when i've been you know called a bitch sometimes maybe i haven't been very nice but on the other hand i look at it and say why that was that was just that's that's called being a business person and it's not cold-hearted and so i think what's rewarded is 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 maybe misconstrued but why well i, I think mean, it's, it's easy goes to beyond attack. yeah it's, it's easy it goes to be beyond learning. Too. Right. Well, yeah, but oh, I mean, bad, I, if, bad manners. I don't attack rudeness and being a jerk in a man, but uh, many will attack that in a woman. Well, good companies attack it in both. Yes, and they should, and they should, because it shouldn't be, be, you know, be accepted in either one. But you're, you're right. It's, it's, it's less feminine. Um, it's we've been less conditioned to see, to see women be assertive. We're, we're bossy. Um, we're, you know, too many of those things. And I, and I, I think part of that is from also not seeing a lot of female role models who, who are demonstrating positive leadership traits. I don't, I don't want to say negative. Yeah. Ones, but I want to, I want to retract saying that the behaviors are jerky behaviors yeah. because that's obvious. That's easy right. to, to name as a, mm -hmm. a, a wrong bias. Mm -hmm. But right. when I see assertive behavior in a man and yeah. I see assertive behavior in a woman, we label it differently. We do, and that and that that goes. What you know? That's way beyond the um, 
you know the, the the scope just the scope of what we're looking at here i mean if you look at the tabloids in the uk i mean the gutter press here you know we've just had obviously mega markle and and harry mm -hmm. have decided to yeah. leave um you know and there were some stats around the number of negative uh headlines around megan but we've also unfortunately just had a a, a, a presenter um who's my age uh, a tv oh i heard has yeah it's killed herself and there's been oh, an awful yeah. lot there's been an awful lot of of um uh what's the word sort of looking at the the culture and and the behavior but if you start sort of some people have started to break down the kind of these gossip mags and the tabloid headlines you know and they are insidiously uh kind of negative about women who regardless almost of who the the woman is um but what can we do as learning architects to uh, support uh, gender equality, uh, you know, ethnic equality, et cetera. Well, it's interesting because I had a very, this is a, a case uh, a few years ago where the company, um, I'll be honest, probably one of, one of Canada's largest, and, and they are all over supporting pride, all this, you know, um, and, you know, sponsor so many events and blah, blah, blah. Try putting a same-sex couple into one of their e-learning modules. Wouldn't allow it. And and I think that that, that we also too, if we look at the way that we, we're portraying um, different different communities and different families, different you know genders, whatnot in our even in our learning content. Um, it, you know, it, it says a lot. You know, I, I get so annoyed with the avatars, not just because they're avatars, yeah. but they, they're stereotypical. The women have the little tiny waist. Full, full boobs, bum, you know, and 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 you know, and the men are just like you know sticks, and and it's 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 really quite um, it, it's it's quite annoying. So thinking about how we're even portraying what um, you know life looks like in in some of our content, the language that we use, um, the you you know the 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 adjectives that we use to describe different people. I mean, it's been a long time since I've been actually designing content, um, but. I see that so, so often, just the imagery, um, oh. all of that plays into it. And I know we've talked about that well as well, right? <laughs> it, it drives me nuts. If I see one more stock image of women looking at, you know, three men talking to her, like, well, why is, and, and that gets, yeah. you know, put up there. I, that's typically more American too, which is really scary. Cause we're yeah, I do. So I, I, I think, I think do see it we probably Europe. have it. Yeah. I do think we're probably a bit more ahead on, on, yeah. on that. Because that's I, I've I've told our company they want to Americanize stuff and I was like whoa wait <laughs> wait, <laughs> wait a minute what you do there you guys got great imagery I mean so, really so friend, friend of mine who is a woman of color she said to me last year when we talked about this stuff she said I stopped going to learning events because I was sick of not seeing people who you know I felt represented me and you know that is not you know I was horrified by that but you know when it comes to learning if somebody is sitting down to do some e-learning or what you know whatever it might be yeah you you need to people need to feel represented um and it's really important that that just isn't just a tick box exercise yeah. about you know like laurie said with some you know rubbish stock photography it really needs to be yeah and about. i i think it goes full circle because once you start having c-level executives being um of color Women, you're gonna. There's gonna be less tolerance that they're gonna allow imagery not to represent who they are. So it's it's a you know it's it's 
a virtual circle, virtual circle. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've, I've seen, I mean, you go to some of these conferences and it's like a sea of white people. It's really kind of bad. Stock images. Oh my gosh. I, I developed e-learning and um, trying to find a woman without wearing a, a woman, a businesswoman without high heels is like unbelievably hard. I have to, sometimes I just cut off cut off people below the knees. Well, here's a weird concept. I remember back there was a company, NetG, and they went around and took pictures of their actual staff mm-hmm. and put it in their learning. And it was amazing. Those people became famous. Where I'm at now, I just noticed online, I'm recognizing some of the people I just met a week ago. And I thought, hopefully we're coming full circle. We're coming back. And if you've got the right type of workforce, they're going to be really proud to be out there and they're going to want to be part of the future look and feel. So, um, yeah. And I'm sure all the women weren't in heels, <laughs> you know, hey, uh, bath- so- bathroom doors still have mini skirts. Yeah, they do. All right. So, you know, we have saved the uh, podcast porn for the end of this, this episode. <laughs> and, uh, Copyright, Laurie L. Huffman. <laughs> right. I wasn't going to say that, Lori, but I'm inspired by what you said. Okay. So we want to talk about the Ernst & Young tra- training. And uh, there's a great article on this by Emily Peck, a reporter at Huff News, and probably many other articles now. We'll put that, a link to that in our episode notes. Um, but let me just share, and I'm going to read this, um, share two paragraphs from Emily Peck's article. Uh, and these are the kind of things that were taught in this program for executive women at Ernst & Young. Uh, when women speak, they shouldn't be shrill. Clothing must flatter, but shirts, short skirts are a no-no. After all, sexuality scrambles the mind. Women should look healthy and fit with a good haircut and manicured nails. Now, these were just a few of the pieces of advice uh, that around 30 female executives at Ernst Young received at a training held in their corporate headquarters uh, in Hoboken, New Jersey, in June 2018. What? Uh, also, which is pretty recent, right? Also, the training went on to suggest things like uh, don't be aggressive like men. If you're having a conversation with a man, cross your legs and sit at an angle to him. Don't talk to a man face to face. Men see this as threatening. And here's my favorite. Women's brains absorb information like pancakes soak up syrup. So it's hard for them to focus. These were women attendees that were told this. And men's brains are more like waffles. They're better able to focus because the information collects in each little waffle square. Your reactions. Okay. So I've been fascinated with this case. And I think one thing we need to point out with this is that it was a woman who, who designed this course. Yes, so this, and this, this was, it. It was, it was, it was uh, it, 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 yeah, so Marsha Clark was the name, and it's been public on it, and there's a lot of things that happen with this course that are fascinating. One, it's not just, to me, this, this particular course is not just about, about gender. It's a whole bunch of what's bad in the industry. If you looked on the website, she had made all these assumptions about women and put, touted it as science. You know, that women will not speak up in groups if there aren't other women because they don't feel as comfortable. Women seek out the company of other women when they have emotional problems rather than men. I'm like, where is the science for this? Certainly the whole thing was based in, in, in junk and she melded this together, made this course. And it's interesting because a lot of women also too felt empowered by that course. So I think we, there's, 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 there's some, some dangerous things that are happening there. But 
is this really now what she's proposing is actually garbage, but is this any really any different than some of the leadership courses we see out there that, you know, make all these assumptions that are out there. You know, oh, leadership is this. I'm, you know, <laughs> I, I was a, a military general and therefore I know how to lead and I'm going to just, it's like, well, hold on a second. Where's the science? Where's the fact? Where's any of that? So I think that that's where this genuinely became a product of how Ernst and Young could not even recognize that this was such, such garbage. I believe what happened is, is they said, we need to do something to you know to promote women oh this let's just grab that off of a shelf and they didn't want to look internally at their own values and what they need to do to change and, and of course is not going is not going to change that so a lot of thoughts a lot of thoughts on it um maple syrup because i'm canadian and that's sacred to us so. <laughs> <laughs> Here, here's the thing though how many employee handbooks and i remember this because i have very long legs that it gave you the number of inches. And this goes yep. to the 80s up until maybe two years ago, a year ago, which tells you what length a woman's skirt needs to be or how much coverage or this or that. And men, I don't, I, I didn't they see Probably still do in retail. Oh, no, 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 they definitely do. They definitely do. So how could you, no, no, regular business, regular mm. business, Kate, regular business. It tells you how long your skirt can be and whether or not you have to wear skirts, pants, suits uh, absolutely that exists today so how do we expect anything different than all this person did was put to life what is in the employee handbook yeah so it, i believe it goes back to the employee handbook and i guarantee whoever bought this course didn't look at it no no looked at the objectives maybe looked at the outcome asked about the experience would my people have fun going through this yeah but they probably didn't see a problem with it they think mm -hmm. that you should be in heels or you should oh. have a oh oh i'm not disagreeing I mean, like, with that but i'm i'm also betting it. they bought it blind I, 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 w I would bet, and, and similar, similar experience to you, Matt, that, yeah, it was, it was just, you know, a tick box decision that, yeah. oh, we need something. Um, and, you know, it, it's, again, I don't think that's just limited to, 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 to women. Um, but I think also, too, Ernst & Young did not handle it effectively from a PR management standpoint. You know, they doubled down on defending it before they actually saw the light. And that, that to me, is, is, speaks more to the culture. Oops moment. <laughs> Yeah. Yes, they had yeah. a very, and, and that vendor, if you look, has rebranded themselves and, and went dark for about two months, and now they have a whole new course out there. Which is probably the same course. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully they took a few things yeah. out. Well, we'll see. Uh, well, it's, it's a good example of what not to do. Let's, yeah. you know, let's hold it up as, uh, as, as that. Yep. Well, uh, you know, uh, we're going to ask you our final question, but I just want to say that um, really grateful you guys came here and that you're doing the work that you do. Uh, I am inspired. I hope other people are inspired. How can people uh, join you in your efforts? Hashtag women in learning. Start there with LinkedIn. And, and Twitter, yeah. So that's, there's a group. Uh, you have to request to join, uh, which doesn't feel very inclusive, but it's LinkedIn and the way the groups work. I can't, I can't change that. Um, we are, she says optimistically, I'm sort of halfway through building a website. Um, we are putting together a mentoring scheme. Um, we are looking at having our own podcast. So they say imitation is the highest form of flattery. So um watch this space um and yeah but linkedin is the is the easy way to kind of uh find the group 
um, obviously open those connections to other people, open that dialogue. Um, and I mean, I would encourage anyone to connect with us individually. Um, you know, you'd be able to find us uh, on LinkedIn as well. Um, and you know, this is, this is all about, uh, you know, I don't want to speak for Sharon and Laurie, but for me, you know, if you've got ideas, if you've got input, you know, we'd love to hear them, especially in the UK, we've gathered quite a lot of momentum. So we've got, um, some of the trade press saying that they'll, um, publish regular, uh, contribution articles. So, you know, if there's people in the U S that are, you know, running similar things or would like to get involved, it spread, um, across North America as, as well as the UK and Europe. And a huge thank you for, for having us on to yeah. talk about it yeah. and listening. Yeah, well, thank you. Thanks very much. We always like to end our show with what we call the best and the worst of the week. So uh, something that happened to you in the last week or two that, that was great within the context of learning and something that was not so good, something you, uh, that happened that, that you weren't happy that happened. Could be to you personally, someone you know, or something in the industry. So, Will, do you want to kick off with your, your best and your worst and be the model? Sure. Um, well, the best uh, was uh, uh, just Julie Dirksen and her work um, and her continual efforts to get us to think beyond training, uh, to think about the science of learning, and particularly her work on uh, behavior and how to push for behavior change as well. So uh, that's my best. And my worst is, uh, uh, I'll just say folks in general who think we should not be negative, that we should not debunk things because uh, sometimes there's bad things out there, there's bad actors and they need to be debunked. Okay. Great, thanks Kate. I don't even know what I'm gonna say, but I'll- That's okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> we rarely do. <laughs> um, I think actually the example that I alluded to earlier about uh, a lady reaching out to me because she'd had a bad experience at work, um, but on the back of the women in learning stuff, that's probably simultaneously the best and the worst. It's, it's not good that somebody is having a bad time at, at work and is upset. Um, and my heart absolutely went out to her, but it was the best in terms of feeling like we were able to help her and mobilize and, and give her some advice and give her some direction. You know, that's what this is in a microcosm. That's what this whole women in learning thing is all about for me. So it's a double, hopefully helping her through that now this week will be a good outcome. Great. Uh, Sharon or Laurie? Yeah, I think um, one post that I've been fascinated with, I'm a huge fan of uh, Matthew Smith, and uh, he, he put up a post about data analytics uh, and really urge you to have, have a look at it. It's, uh, it's, it's about what is meaningful for us to be, to be tracking and, and, and what is just going to become noise and, and how are we actually, uh, you know, training people to use our systems are we are we you know making them little rats in a cage um so really advise you to, to have a look at it. he's he's just a super smart uh person and i can't highly recommend him more and what, matthew was his, smith. what was matthew smith okay great. matthew smith yeah i can actually send a link to the to the actual post um, That'd be great. I, I really 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 enjoyed it um and then i think in, in the in the not so good uh, i alluded to it before is you know it's international women's day and the number of companies who are seeing it as an opportunity to uh change the story or narrative about their reputations and uh, I, I think that that's that's wrong great well not great 
Yeah. Yeah. By the way, uh, Matthew Smith, he also played the doctor, right? On Doctor Who. <laughs> yes, yes, that's his, okay. that's his day job. <laughs> oh. There are about three of our listeners that will get that joke. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I'm not one of them. <laughs> Sherry? Um, okay, I would say it's been a very busy uh, couple of weeks, or in the last week has been, um, I was able to uh, face-to-face meet many of the folks from Learning Pool, my new company, um, and really felt the energy of what it meant to be in a very um, gender-supportive, gender-diverse company um, with their values. We've got your back, do the right thing and build to grow. No lie. This was talked about at the end of the night over drinks uh, after the awards and also after learning technologies. And I I haven't lived that dream since maybe the early 2000s where a company really made that big a difference to their employees. Um, And then the not so great was getting stuck at Heathrow for hours because the technology went down, not the flight. They're literally using whiteboards, and I thought, well, and my husband was even saying, like, where's their business continuity training? You know, like, <laughs> what is the backup? So we literally all had to go on Google to put our flight number in, and miraculously things came up that did not come up in the apps. So if you're ever caught in an airport and things are shut down, go to Google, because that was amazing, and seeing the way people came together. But that was disastrous. I, and it didn't even make the news that much. It was just two Sundays ago, and it was mayhem. And it was shocking to me how much so much happened in that little space and nobody else really even knew about it unless you were affected. So that wasn't great. great. Thanks, Sharon. So my worst, I'll start with my worst. Um, I've been playing around with, with a piece of fake research. Uh, and we talk, Will and I talked about this in a previous episode where I presented it as real research and a keynote I delivered. Well, I posted it on LinkedIn the other day and highlighted that it was satirical, not real, fake. And it was shared quite extensively as real <laughs> all across. <laughs> so this morning I went through to all the shared posts and put a disclaimer in. But the notion that people just took something as silly as if you post pretty cute pictures of kittens and puppies you will calm your participants down and make them all feel better and they will therefore learn better. Oh my. People you are my hero. <laughs> That's uh, quite scary, but not surprising. Well, the, the good side, which is not my best, was though uh, many, many, many people got the joke. But it was uh, a little bit disheartening how many shared it as real. So that was my worst. A hundred years from now, it's going to be the <laughs> it's uh, going to be a myth. Richter kitten <laughs> effect. <laughs> Levels um, one, two, three, and four. <laughs> I'm finally immortal. So, but uh, I have two bests if I can. So, uh, one of them has to do with the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. So, uh, not a good thing, obviously. Um, but our trip to France uh, was canceled and including all of my work in France uh, because uh, they were large gatherings of five or 600 or more people. And, and so uh, we lost all that money that hurts. We lost the trip that hurts. We lost seeing family and so forth, but the opportunity to now leverage zoom as a virtual training platform has blown up. And we are now finding all sorts of new opportunities to do train the trainer on using these LVOTs, which I call them. I'm the only one who uses that phrase, but 
to deliver virtual based training. Uh, it, it's exploding as a new opportunity and, uh, and uh, leveraging work from Will, I'm hoping that we can actually validate it as, as a, a successful platform. My second best is the three of you. I've been a huge oh. fan of Lori for a long time, and we had Lori on a. Aren't we all? Aren't we all? Oh, oh. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I totally agree. Thank you. Lori is a hero of mine, and now I finally got to meet Kate and Sharon, and <laughs> I've been following the, the Fosway group for a while now, and I'm such a fan of you two, and getting to meet you both is, is a fanboy moment. Oh, so thank, thank you for, for being on the show today, and and Will, as we wrap up, uh, I, I just wanted to thank you for making this episode happen because you're the one who, who put it all together. Uh, well, and I, it's really nothing, uh, and it's, it's hey, now now it's so now it's so obvious why we did this. You guys are brilliant, um, and this is really this is clearly our best episode ever. Wise <laughs> 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 man. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, Thank you very much. You guys are an inspiration. And we oh, hope you'll you. all come on again. Absolutely. Any time. Any time. Well, I'll promise. see you in the neighborhood. <laughs> yes, Sharon. Absolutely. <laughs> so, and Kate, I'm in London regularly. Maybe we can grab a, a coffee Shout or something. Me. Shout That'd me. That would be yep. great. Super. Thank you. Okay, guys. And Thanks, everyone. That's a wrap. Bye. Thank you. Thank you.